Cato. With Rick Reed and the thrilling adventure, The Voice. The Green Hornet strikes again. There was great excitement and turmoil at John Waterbury's campaign headquarters. A large suite of rooms on the 18th floor of the downtown hotel was overflowing with newsmen and campaign workers. It's just been announced over the radio in the other room that Payson's going to speak. Come on, 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 come his lead is such a substantial one that I decided at this time to concede the election to And my thanks to all of you who have voted for me in this campaign. Thank you, and good night. Against my life. No. Yes. Probably the work of some crank. 
I don't for a moment connect with the opposition. I'd like to hear it. Have you any way? I have a playback machine right here. Uh, put the record on, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, did you try to recognize the voices on it? <laughs> well, it's definitely not Peason or any of the speakers, if that's what you mean. Shall I start it, sir? Yes, let's hear it. Okay. Thank you. There we are. I am known as the voice. Our followers are ruthless and strong. My identity is unknown, even to them. But we carry out my orders blindly. We should protect you, John Waterbury. If you are a message district attorney, you will never take office. Remember what I say, John Waterbury. If you are elected, you will die. I will fail. So take heed of this girl from the force. There it is, Sergeant. Holy smoke. Shall I take the record? I'm taking that recording to headquarters with me. All right, Sergeant, but I don't think you... That's a threat, Mr. Waterbury. We'll study that voice and see if we can trace it. Do you really think you can, sir? Sure. All we got to do is find a guy who talks like that, and we'll have the mug who calls himself the voice. Uh, we'll have men up here election night, sir, plenty of them, just in case. Then you don't think it's just a crank who said that? Never can tell about these things, Mr. Waterbury, but it's best to be on the safe side. Just as you say, Sergeant. Just uh, give the record to Sergeant Bird. Yes, sir. Here it is, officer. Thanks. I'm sure you and your men will do everything to protect Mr. Waterbury on election day. That we will, Mr. Tut. Tutwiler is the name. Yes, so it is. Well, as I said, Mr. Tutwiler, we'll see that there's plenty of protection around on election day. You can bet on that. And just like Todd promised, he had plenty of cops at Waterbury's headquarters last night. But Waterbury was elected, and boom, they got him in spite of all the protection. I'll say they did. About that recording, actually, didn't the police get any leads on it at all? For instance, where it was recorded. No, not that I know of, Reed. Well, let's get in my office. Yeah. Well, why are they keeping it quiet? Sarge says it's hushed up because cops headquarters are hoping that that there voice guy would think Waterbury didn't take the thing serious enough to notify the cops. So what? So he'd send another record. Meantime, they'd be watching at the post offices and keeping an eye on Waterbury. But no other record was received. No. I see. Well, what about Payson and his gang? Good morning, Mr. Reed. Oh, good morning, Miss Case. They ran a pretty bitter campaign against Waterbury. Oh, Sarge says they're investigating Payson and his bunch of cars. But most of them were in his campaign office while he was broadcasting. Not three minutes before the explosion. And that office was two or three miles across the city. Yes, that's right. Now sit down. Yeah. About the bomb or whatever. Reed, I was coming to that. This will really make you sit up and listen. Get to the point, will you? What's so startling, actually? As you know, the room Waterbury was using for his campaign office was one of the suites on the 18th floor of the hotel. Yes, I know. Is the only high building in that neighborhood. A Waterbury's desk was backed up to a big plate glass window that looked out over the city, with nothing in the way for blocks. Are you really leading up to something? Are you just trying to talk? Wait a minute, I'm listening. The police investigators say if a bomb or something went off on the inside with the window closed, the glass would have blown outward. Well, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. But all the glass from that big window was lying inside, on the floor. But if they say that it should be... Again, the again what they say now is that whatever caused that explosion, bomb or whatever, it crashed through the window before it exploded. Oh, now I get it. Some killer just went by that 18-story window in a plane and tossed it in. Is that it? How do I know? Oh. All I can tell you is what I hear the cops said for. Can I tell you? Oh, but, Chief... 
But he says don't make sense. He's mixed up somehow. We ought to... Now, hold on, Johnny. What Axford just told us does make sense, as far as it goes. Sure, that's right. What crashed through the window and how it was made to do so is, of course, quite a mystery. That's just what the inspector said in cop headquarters. <laughs> Next, they'll be saying it was a plane out of control like the one that bumped into the Empire State Building. Only this plane came right through the window and blew up in Waterbury's face. If you don't like what they say, get in and them up and tell them. Don't take it out on me. Axford, forget it. Where's that record, the one that Bert told you? Uh, soon they have it in headquarters, Reed. I see. Well, you'd better go down to headquarters and keep tabs on things. And see if it can come back with a theory we can figure out next time. I'll bring the news as I get it. That I will. Yeah, but get it straight. Now get going. But keep me posted, Axford. Okay, Reed. That I will. And you, Gunnigan, I'll be seeing you later. What do you think about that voice business, Chief? Well, right now, I don't know what to think. We'll just have to wait and see what the police turn up. I'd like to know more about the candidates for the office of district attorney coming in. One of our reporters could get a lead on that voice. It would... Oh, wait a minute. Yes, Mr. Reed. Miss Case, I want you to get me all the data on Payson and Waterbury and the men who were to be their assistants. Well, I can get that for you all right in my file. Good. Not else? right now. I'll get that data for you right away. Sir, Chief, I think you'd be wasting your time trying to get a lead on the voice. Frankly, I don't think the guy who made that record had anything to do with the explosion that killed Waterbury. Well, that remains to be seen, Cunningham. Well, I'm going back to the city room. See you later, Chief. Some more data on Waterbury, Mr. Reed. Well, thank you, Miss Case. I've gone through all the rest, but it hasn't told me much. Oh, I'll get it. Mr. Reed's office? Yes, Let me talk to Reed. Oh, just a minute. It's Axford for you, <laughs> Mr. Reed. Hello, Axford. What's up? Reed, I thought you'd like to know the cops made precautions of everybody's voice on the patient trial. So as to compare them with that record of the voice. Have they found anyone whose voice is similar? Not yet. Well, listen, Axford. Arrange with Sergeant Burke for me to come down there and hear the test. Sure. He'd be glad to have you, Reed. Hold on a minute, Reed. Axford left the phone for a minute. Maybe there's some news coming in from headquarters. Oh, wait. Hello? Hello, Axford. Reed, Sergeant just came in and told me something that'll knock your hat off. I'm waiting. He says the chief of police just got one of them threatening records from the voice. I gotta go. So long, Reed. But wait. Axford, I... Uh, He hung up. What did he tell you? The man who calls himself a voice has had another recorded threat. This time to the chief of police himself. Rick Reed went to police headquarters where he listened as the various recordings were compared to those made by the voice. Later, he stood in the press room at headquarters talking to Axford and Sergeant Burke. Have you confined your investigation to the patient crowd entirely, Sergeant? Not entirely, Mr. Reed. But it's been determined that whatever it was that exploded in Waterbury's office came through the window from the outside. Yeah. And that big window is only 18 stories from the ground. That would seem impossible. No, it's impossible, Reed. That's what I keep telling Sarge. In spite of what you say, Axford, the experts we sent up there from headquarters all agree on that fact. They know what they're talking about, Axford. Okay. 
So they know what they're talking about. To my way of thinking, Sarge, you ought to get Payton and give him a grilling. That voice guy wanted him to win the election, looks like. You do your reporting, Axford. Let us cops decide who's going to be grilled. Axford, Payton may not have had any knowledge of what was going on. Naturally, he'd take support in the election from anybody. He's the type. Yeah, good thing he lost. Of course, we don't know much about Eaton, the assistant DA who will now move up into Waterbury's place. But I, I guess he's okay. I'd like to meet Eaton. Axford, we'll drive over and see him before we go back to the center. Okay, Eaton. Well, thanks for your courtesy, Sergeant. We'll see you again. Come on, Axford. had gone to police headquarters to listen to the recording of The Voice. He expressed the desire to meet Mr. Eaton, who was now acting district attorney, and suggested that he and Axford pay Eaton a visit. A short time later, Britt Reed and Axford sat in the district attorney's office talking to Eaton. I hope, Mr. Eaton, your office will put its full weight behind the hunt for Waterbury's killers. If you don't do something soon, Mr. Eaton, that their voice might get notions about you. I'm not afraid of that. Here are the papers you wanted, Mr. Eaton. Oh, thanks, Tep. Hey, now, I know you. You're Mr. Tutwiler, the bookkeeper in Waterbury's brokerage office. Mr. Tutwiler is now working here with me. He's my right-hand man. Tut, meet Mr. Reed and Mr. Axford from the Daily Sentinel. Uh, how, how do you do, Waller? Well, I saw Mr. Axford at campaign headquarters. He was there when... when Mr. Waterbury... Sure, uh, I was there, all right. I understand you were present when Mr. Waterbury received that record. Well, yes, I warned him to take it more seriously than he did, sir. I felt sure the voice and his followers were ruthless and strong. I see. Well, I'm glad to have had this talk with you, Mr. Eaton. You can count on the Sentinel to back you up if you follow through with the cleanup campaign you've outlined. Thank you, Mr. Eaton. I'm delighted you dropped in to see me. Come in again. We'll meet again, I'm sure. Come on, Axford. That evening, Britt Reed went to his apartment where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, and the only person knowing his identity as the Green Hornet, was waiting. Police not find anyone who talked like the voice? Not yet, Cato. Now that the chief of police has received one of those recordings, they're making an extensive search. Who looked like the voice wanted Payson to win election and be district attorney, maybe. I'm not so sure. Cato, I'd like to have one of those recordings so we can experiment a bit. The records are being kept as evidence, no doubt. Yes. They won't put them out of their hands. But I'd still like to get one of them. Where do they keep records? In a small room on the ground floor just off the fingerprinting department. We went in there to play them. They're in a file case there. Oh, Green Hornet's not there to approach police departments, building. The Hornet dares to do many things, Cato. When it's necessary. You take risks, then? What do you think? I'm ready. Let's go. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of the closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the slick, superpowered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. 
at police headquarters, Cassidy. Here, what you want, Charge? Take this list into the dispatcher's room. Have them radio the men in these scout cars to pick up every suspicious character in their district and bring them in for questioning. Okay, Charge. What's that? Captain, at the back. Down the hole. Come on, Charge. Great day. What next? In here, Charge. I was in here matching up some fingerprints when I heard something in the other room. I opened the door and saw the green hornet climbing out of the window. The green hornet? Why did he come here? I guess that there was a machine. Quiet, everybody! What was he doing in there? Do you know? The top file door was open. He took one of them records of the boys. What? Shut up, all of you! Cassidy, tell the dispatchers to put out a call to all cars to hunt the hornet. Okay, sir. I'll tell the chief about it. At least we know now that the Hornet's connected with the voice in his gang. And if it's the last thing we do, we'll hunt him down one way or another. A short time later, Rick Reed and Cato arrived at their apartment with the recording of The Voice. Put the record on the phonograph, Cato. I want to study that voice. Oh, yes, sir. I uh, start it now. Oh, yes. Why are you not listening to all the recording, Mr. Briggs? Kato, he speaks as though he had written that down and learned it by heart. I remember hearing a certain person use wording exactly like the sentence in that record. What sentence you hear used? My followers are ruthless and strong. Only instead of my, he used his, since he was discussing the voice. But that's not definite proof that he's the one. No, of course not. But it sets me thinking. Cato, set the needle back and start that record over. Yes, sir. Now do exactly what I tell you. And perhaps our experiment will disclose the identity of the voice. man pretty smart to think of a scheme like that, Mr. Brick. Well, someone else may have given him the idea, Kato. We'll find all about it soon. There's his home just ahead. That small house to the right. Better park in the shadow. Yes, sir. Come on. House dark. But I see cracks of light around the basement window. We'll slip around at the back and find a way into that basement. Then there'll be fireworks. Moving cautiously, the Green Hornet and its helper silently approached the rear door of the basement. Opening the door with a skeleton key, they entered and moved along a passageway until they stood before a closed door, from behind which they heard someone talking. What do you mean by that? I'm just getting an idea of what he does mean. Wait here. I'm going in. Hey, what the... Hey, look, it's the Green Hornet! Right, killers? Quite a setup you have down here. For a bookkeeper, Tutwiler, you seem very efficient at building model planes. That's a fine job you have there on the bench. Well, it's just a hobby. I, I, I suppose the assistant DA has the same hobby. Is that it? What kind of you did you mean? Or is he applying his knowledge of radar and electronics so your model planes can be radio controlled? He found out. I admire your cleverness, Eaton, but not the use you put it to. 
It was one of those radio-controlled model planes that carried the explosive in the Waterbury's office and killed him. I admire your cleverness too, Hornet, in being able to figure that out. But why did you come here? What do you want? Protection, perhaps? For me in my capacity? As From now on, Eaton, you won't be in a position to give anybody protection. Eaton, don't let this criminal tell you what you want. you. Meek little crack brains like you to get the delusions of power at the expense of those who trust them. That voice business certainly wasn't your idea. It, it, it was Eaton. He would have made you the fall guy eventually. But now both you of you... won't live to tell what you know. A bullet from this gun. Oh, no, you don't. Stop that gun. My heart is... Oh, oh. Now this will settle you. Look on it. You can work with it. We let Very you... Very clever, Tuckweiler. Making the police think the voice was probably backing the opposition. But all the time, you worked for Waterbury's election. I say that you can work with You wanted him to win so Eaton would be his assistant. Then by killing Waterbury, Eaton could take over as DA. You're through, as of now. Now take it. No, no, no. Gas, I... Oh, oh. Cato. You all right? Yes. Give me that record. Oh, here it is. I'll put this there so the police can pick it up. Then you can phone them to come here and pick up these killers. When the experts from headquarters see this equipment, they'll get the whole picture and make these rats talk. The following morning at police headquarters... I'm glad you came down with Ashford, Mr. Reed. He wanted you to get the story firsthand. He said he was afraid you wouldn't believe him. Well, I would like to know what it's all about and how you found out who the voice was. See, like I told Gungan, the cops got a car that the voice in the harness was at a certain address. Yeah, and when we got there, Mr. Reed, we found Eden out cold along with a guy named Tutwiler who worked for Waterbury. Sure. And there was a lot of stuff there in the basement workshop. A model plane, for instance, six for radio. Could that oh, how right. Waterbury was killed, Mr. Reed? Tutwiler told him there was a phone call in his private office. That got him in there so Eaton and a helper of his could release a model plane from a mobile unit nearby and send it by radio control directly into Waterbury's office carrying a small bomb. Say, come to think of it, Eaton was a radio technician during the war, wasn't he? He sure was, and he put his knowledge to bad use. That voice business was a red herring to throw people off the track. They wouldn't suspect a neat little guy like Tutwiler. When the cops grilled Tutwiler, he screamed all over the place. That he did, Ashford. Well, it doesn't seem possible to me that that little man, Tutwiler, could be the voice. That's the surprise, Reed. Put that record on and show him how it's done, Todd. Sure, sure. Uh, now, listen. As it plays, I'm going to gradually increase the speed of the turntable. Now, listen to it. Now, here, here it comes. I am the one the voice. last night. 
and left it at Tuckwiler's place when he had a fight with his pals. The less said about the green horn and getting that record, the better I can. Oh, don't worry, Sergeant Burke. It won't be mentioned. We can forget that as long as you were clever enough to figure out the rest of the case. <laughs> clever people always amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even more amazed, actually, that so many clever people use their cleverness to commit crime. <laughs> you sure must be amazed at the green harness, then, Reed. <laughs> He's a clever one, that guy. <laughs> I'm sure the Hornet would appreciate the compliment, Axford. That is, of course, if you heard you say it. <laughs> Maybe Axford thinks you'll meet up with the Hornet. Tell him about it, Reed. Well, I'm afraid any meeting I'd have with the Green Hornet would, as a magician says, have to be done with mirrors. Ah, listen to that now. He goes with mirrors, he says. <laughs> Ain't that something sad? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mr. Reed always has a ready answer to silly questions. <laughs> sure. And that shows how clever he is, sir. That it does, actually. That it does. <laughs> 